Welcome to SuccessfulSavior.org, the ministry of Harmony Primitive Baptist Church in Donaldson, Arkansas. This is Elder Neil Phelan, Jr., preaching in our regular Sunday morning service. Good morning. Good to see you all here today. What a wonderful song service. I enjoyed that so much. We sang that song there uh, twice because it was something I want to preach about today, about the, the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when that song was called out, I thought, yes, I might have the right message this morning. <laughs> and then it was called out a second time. <laughs> but did you notice how many times our song service we sing about the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Uh, it's something that uh, we love to sing about and uh, that we look forward to with great anticipation and joy. As we sang those songs, some of the words were uh, really touched my heart and thankful that we were able to sing those songs and look forward to it. So put your Bibles open to 1 Thessalonians. We're just going to start there this morning and got several scriptures for you today. But um, let's remember that the uh, return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is something that uh, we as God's people should never forget. It's something that we should anticipate and look for every day of our lives. Uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I walk out on a day and it's cloudy and I look up in the sky and I think to myself, today could be the day that He's coming back. And you know, it could be. We don't know. He is coming. We know that for sure because He made that promise. And as we see this world grow darker and darker and more sinful, rather than becoming upset with everything that's going on around us, we should be thinking that this could be a sign of the times, that our Lord is going to be coming back at a time, it's said, and we're going to look at that in just a moment, of great wickedness. And to think that we may be the very ones that are here present when Jesus Christ comes back. Isn't that a wonderful thought? I mean, rather than thinking about all the negative things and worried about what's going on around us, to think Jesus could be coming back today to carry us home to live with Him in glory and uh, God's not worried about everything going on right now I can tell you he is angry with the wicked every day but our God is in sovereign control of everything that's going on right now and he's not worried about what's going to happen in this world because he's in control of it and he's going to come back and uh, Jesus Christ joy joyfully anticipates that day when he will be united with the bride that he bought with his own precious blood He's looking forward to that day. And the angels are waiting for that moment that they are summoned by the great God our Father to come back and to bring the redeemed throng of God with them and raise us up to be with them in glory. That is something that we should think about every day. And we should anticipate it. As According to the Scriptures, it's something that we should not dread. A lot of people in the, some of the doctrines that you have out there today, they would make you dread it. But as we look at some of the scriptures this morning, I want you to see that it's a time that we're going to be looking for that's going to be a wonderful event. It's going to be the greatest event that has ever occurred in the world. You think of some of the greatest things that have ever occurred, like creation, the time when God created all things and the angels shouted for joy when it was created. That was a, a wonderful day, wasn't it, when things were created during those six days and the beauty of God was exposed by His creation. The great flood was another great moment of time when God covered the earth with water because of the wickedness. And then the return of our Lord, and then when our Lord was, was born, that was another great event in the world. But this event, when Jesus Christ comes back, is going to eclipse 
all of those events. It'll be a day when, it'll be the last of all days. It'll be a time when time shall be no more, when Jesus Christ comes back, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and His people shall dwell in righteousness. So, as we look at all of these scriptures this morning, I want you to be encouraged by that, because we as God's people should look for it with great joy. When we look at the book of 1 Thessalonians, the reason I want to go there is because the people of Thessalonica were greatly persecuted in that day. And one of the things that always encouraged God's people throughout history when they have been persecuted was to think about the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to be reminded that He is coming back and things are going to be changed and things will be wonderful for God's people, a time of no more tears, no more crying, uh, will no longer be caught up in sin and worries and troubles of this world. And it was something that always encouraged the people of God. So it was something that was written about by the Old Testament prophets. Uh, We find that Jesus Christ spoke about His return. Peter wrote about it. Uh, Paul wrote about it. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul devoted a whole chapter in the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, to the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, as we look at 1 Thessalonians, though, Paul wrote about it often to them because they were being persecuted. And he wrote about it so much that they actually thought that Jesus was coming at any moment. Now, that is a wonderful way to live. If you can live in the moment of thinking that Jesus is coming today, that is a wonderful way to live, isn't it? I mean, isn't it wonderful just to think that Jesus could come back right now? Uh, maybe if you're young and you've got all your future looking, you know, you're looking forward to your future, you're thinking, well, uh, I kind of want to live my life out before Jesus comes. But I can promise you, as you get older, you're going to be looking forward to the return if you're one of God's people of Jesus Christ. So in First Thessalonians 2.19, uh, Paul writes, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? So Paul mentions the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in the very beginning of this epistle to the church at Thessalonica because they were being persecuted, as I said, and they are in joyful anticipation of the Lord coming back. And then you look down to the fourth chapter, and he writes about it again in verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him? So he's talking, that's a beautiful text of scripture that we mentioned many times at funerals to remind God's people that Jesus Christ is coming and he's bringing the saints with him on the resurrection day. And then you move down a little bit further in um, chapter 5, verse 2, for, ye, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. So he's mentioning the coming of the Lord again. And so, as he wrote so many scriptures about the coming of Christ, they were thinking he's coming any day, so he had to write in 2 Thessalonians that he's not coming right this minute to remind them that this is not the exact day he's coming. So you look over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, and he says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, um, and then in verse 2, he writes, That ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, 
neither by spirit nor by word nor by letters from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. So he wrote, wrote a lot about the coming of Christ, and uh, they were really excited about it, which we should always be. But he did want them to know that he wasn't telling them he's coming right now. But we do know that, that he is coming. I want to look at some scriptures, though, that tell us about that time, that day that he's going to come, and some of the things that we can expect because God promised it. Uh, if you remember in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus Christ ascended back to the Father, the angels promised the apostles and uh, preachers and the people that were there on that day that he would be coming in like manner. It says, He said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So there was a promise made the very moment he left that he's coming back. And since that very moment, God's people have been looking for him to come back. So it's not something that we should fear. It's going to be a wonderful occasion. And one of the first points I want to make is it's going to be a grand homecoming when the entire family of God are gathered together from the four corners of the earth, from the graves and from heaven to be together forever with our Lord. Now, we like homecomings. We like being with our family. We like seeing the church family when we gather together. We're going to have a picnic this afternoon. But when Jesus Christ comes back, it's going to be the greatest homecoming that's ever been had because it's going to be with every every person in God's family is going to be there and they're going to be rejoicing at the return of Jesus Christ. The scripture I'm going to give you for that comes as well from the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We mention this a lot of times in our funerals. It says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and we all believe that, Jesus died and He rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, those are the ones that have died in Christ, will God bring with Him. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I want you to notice something from that passage. We're going to notice this time and time again this morning, that the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the resurrection of the saints and the judgment are all at the same time. There is no 1,000 years between all of that. But when Jesus Christ comes back, He's going to carry His people home to be with Him. And the scene that we have before us, I I described this many times at funerals, is when Jesus comes back, He's bringing the disembodied souls of the saints with Him. So all of our beloved brethren who have died and sleep in the Lord right now, uh, they are going to be coming back with Jesus Christ in the clouds, And as I said, it will be a wonderful event. Wouldn't it be great if we were here, if we are here when He comes back? Because we'll see them coming in the clouds. And we'll be raised up together. The graves will be opened. God's people will come out of the graves. We will be glorified. And we'll all be carried together to be home with the Lord in heaven forever. Forever and ever. And so it's going to be a grand homecoming. So if we're thinking about a grand homecoming, is that something that we should dread? 
We see so many Christians today that are worried about the coming of Jesus Christ. I hear them talking a lot that, you know, they've watched some of these Left Behind series and they're saying, isn't it going to be a strange thing when Jesus comes back and and uh, all these things are going to be happening down here on the earth and these wicked things are going to be going on and if we are caught up, uh, our homes will be empty and people are going to be living in our homes and all kinds of things like that. Well, that's not the way the Bible describes the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's going to be a great homecoming, and all of His people for whom Christ died are going to be raised and glorified at the very same moment and carried home to be with God in glory. And it is a comforting doctrine. That's why He ends that very passage of Scripture in verse 18, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is a comforting doctrine to God's people. It should always be, always has been, historically. Second point I want to make is it will be a day when all of humanity falls in submission to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We read in 1 Thessalonians again that, uh, excuse me, in Philippians 2 and 10, where Paul writes that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now that's something we should do now, but it's something that shall be done when our Lord comes back. Every knee will bow. All of those who have spoken ungodly things against God and against our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, every hater of God, every person that has... um, brought false doctrines into the lives of God's people, all of those will bow in submission to Christ. And even against their own will, they are going to confess that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. All of creation will be in subjection to Him. When He comes, it will be sudden and unexpected, for no one knows the year, the month, or the time when Jesus Christ is going to come back. But we have signs around us that we can see. I'm not going to get to that today, but in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, this is what Paul wrote to them, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night, for when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say we should look for Him every day. That day should not overtake us as a thief. We should be looking to the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ every day with great anticipation and joy. My fourth point is His coming and the end of creation are at the same moment in time. I've already mentioned that. But when Jesus Christ comes back, there will be no more time. (laughs) The creation as we know it will be burned up with a fervent heat. In 2 Peter 3 and 10, he mentions that he's coming as a thief in the night, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Again, there is no mention of a thousand year reign of of Jesus Christ on earth because when He comes back, it's very plain He's going to take His people home. He's going to consign the wicked to hell. 
and he's going to burn this place up and there will be a new heaven and a new earth that are spoken of in the scriptures and for those things we do not know a lot about but we know that it is spoken about and that it is going to be a place where there is no suffering anymore that God's people will always be with him but nobody knows when he's coming but it will be the end of creation as we know it of all things that God created will be destroyed at that time fifth point is it will be a worldwide event the entire human population in both hemispheres will see him now that's something I've thought about a lot how in the world is everybody going to see Jesus Christ at the same time at his coming I don't know if you've thought about that or not but that's the way it's going to be and I trust that's the way it's going to be I'm sure when we talk about you know uh, Noah making the ark and getting all the animals on there some people say well I don't think that could happen well the Bible says that's what happened and, and there's a way that it happened even though we may not be able to understand it but I believe that if you see a lightning bolt in heaven some night and you know that lightning bolt is seen for you know 50 miles at this one split second by thousands of people you know the Lord Jesus Christ is perfectly capable of letting everybody in every hemisphere see him when he returns in second peter that's what it says um excuse me in revelation that's what it said revelation 1 and 10 behold he cometh with clouds as the angel said and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him even so amen so John said all of creation is going to see him at his return. In Luke 17, 24, it's what it says, For his lightning that lighteth out of one part of heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. That's going to be quite an amazing event Amen. when Jesus Christ comes back. Amen. My sixth point is it will be personal and physical. It's not going to be something that, you know, you, you, it's kind of this uh, thing that, uh, like a, a light show or something. Jesus Christ himself is coming personally and physically. We will be resurrected personally and physically without sin. We have a body prepared for us that the Lord is going to change us and glorify us. And the resurrection of the body is personal and Physical. In 1 Thessalonians 4.16, it says, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Personal and physical. Again, it's something that as we think about it, it's, 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 it's such an amazing thought to think of how God is going to do this and what a grand event that it's going to be. And you and I will be there. I mean, we hear about a lot of great things and it's almost like you were there when somebody describes it to you. But you will be there if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be there yourself, personal and physical, and you don't even have to buy a ticket for it because Jesus Christ has paid your way with His own precious blood. Amen. It will be a glorious event, number seven, because in 2 Thessalonians 1, 6, and 7, Paul writes, Seeing it a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you, and to you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. 
What a glorious event when Christ comes back and He brings the disembodied souls of the saints with Him and His mighty angels, plural. We don't know how many angels there are, but there are thousands and thousands and thousands of angels. You've got the seraphims. Uh, you've got the uh, cherubs. You've got the different types of angels. And all of those are going to be coming with the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, what a glorious event we got, which we're going to be looking forward to. It's going to be very, very glorious. Number eight, it will be triumphant. It will be triumphant. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 24, Paul writes, Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God. That's all of his people. Even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. That's triumphant, my friends. When Jesus Christ comes back, no more death. All of the enemies of the righteous, all of the haters of God, all of those that speak ungodly about God will be placed under his feet in subjection to the great King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's triumphant. There's never been a triumph like that on earth. We've heard of some great conquerors on earth, some great powers on earth, but nothing is glorious when Jesus Christ returns. Another number nine is that it will be a momentary event and not a process. You know, a lot of uh, premillennials and postmillennials and millennials, uh, they've got a process going on at the return of Jesus Christ. But according to the scriptures, it's going to be a momentary event. It's going to be in the twinkling of an eye, but yet we will see it and we will know it and we will experience it personally. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And that's speaking of those that have not died yet. Uh, they will not sleep or die. I mean, that's why I say it would be a wonderful thing if we were here when Jesus Christ returns. But he says, In a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the, last, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So at that very moment, the dead will be raised incorruptible. They will be changed. They will be glorified. Again, there is not a thousand-year period. Uh, it will, it's, then it says we'll be called up together with the Lord in the air. As many scriptures as teach us that this is a momentary event. It's not a process. When Jesus Christ comes back, that's going to be the end of time. We should understand then that there is no 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ. He's reigning today. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. He has a kingdom. Amen. He has people that worship Him. <laughs> Number 10. The last and general judgment will occur at that moment. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. So that judgment will occur immediately when Jesus Christ returns. And the judgment is at His coming, uh, not 1,000 years later as some dispensationalists teach. In Jude 1 and 14, He makes mention of that. In, one, in, in Jude verse 14, it says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of His saints, that's God's people, 
to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So the Lord is coming. It was prophesied from the very beginning of time. Enoch the seventh from Adam was prophesying about it. They were looking forward to it even back then to execute judgment upon all. When Jesus Christ comes back, He will execute judgment upon all. But the judgment of the elect of God's people is a general judgment. It's a family judgment, if I can say it that way. And it's based upon the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ and His death for His people. So you and I, God's people, are not going to be judged according to our works. We're going to be judged according to the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 25, 34, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, that's his people, Come ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now look, consider that compared to the way that God will judge the non-elect or the wicked, which we find in several places. In Revelation 20, 13, we read, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. <laughs> That's death and hell. That's his holding tank for these people that are wicked, that do not belong to the Lord. And they're going to be judged according to their works. I don't want to be judged according to my works. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I want to be judged according to the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ who has put away my sins and my bad works and they are cast through the land of forgetfulness that they are removed from the presence of God eternally. Amen. In 2 Thessalonians, again, we go back to the book of Thessalonians, uh, chapter 1, the first uh, 7, 8, and 9 verses. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be real, revealed from heaven with His mighty angels and flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. That is going to be the coming of the Lord, the judgment. It's going to be all at the same event, that same moment in time when Jesus Christ returns. Again, in Matthew 25, Jesus said, Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Well, that judgment's already happened. He's just going to pronounce it on that day. That's going to be the day of pronouncement. He's going to let everybody know what Christ has done for his people. Amen. And how we stand before the throne of God, innocent. It will be a day of joyful reunion with the saints of all ages when Jesus Christ comes back, as I've mentioned, a family reunion. But Jesus says, I will put my trust in Him, and again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. God has given some children to Jesus Christ, His people. And it's going to be a glorious time when Jesus Christ comes back and and those that were given to him, he will receive as his bride. In 1 Thessalonians 4.13, Paul says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, 
that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. And he makes that promise again that Jesus Christ is coming. Well, those are just some of the scriptures that I've got for you this morning concerning his coming. But in the, my opening remarks, I talk about, you know, the wickedness of the world. I mean, we should expect that, right? Uh, it's something that God promised long ago that the world was going to be more wicked. And as I said, maybe that's a sign of his coming. What a great thought to think that we will be here when Jesus returns. Some of the signs that we see around us are the wickedness. In Daniel chapter 12, here's what something that Daniel wrote that always makes me think about the coming of Christ. He said, At that time shall Michael stand up the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And I believe that's the Lamb's book of life. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. That's the judgment. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. And then he says this that's very interesting. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. That running to and fro means travel. And what do we see today? I mean, people are running to and fro. You can get on a jet plane and be halfway across the world in a few hours. People are running to and fro every day. Knowledge is greatly increased today. As a matter of fact, it seems to me that knowledge has increased so much it's being used to such wickedness. Some of the things that they're doing in science today is very, very wicked. And I'm wondering one day if they don't just go a little bit too far and the Lord said, that's enough. You know, it's time for me to come back. I believe that the Lord will not come back, though, until the last one of His elect are born, is born of His Spirit. That may be in their mother's womb or whenever that may occur, but that will happen before the Lord comes back, but it could be happening this very moment. There may be a child right now that is about to be born that will be born of God's Spirit And that will be the very last heir of grace that is born again in Jesus Christ. He will return at that very moment. Again, as I said, we as God's people should anticipate that with great joy. And it seems like the older that I get, the more I think about going home to be with the Lord in glory. I mean, when you're young, sometimes you don't think about it. But you know, when you anticipate a great trip and you've made a lot of plans... And you're looking forward to that trip. The closer you get to that time to that trip, I mean, you've, you've, made, you've thought about it a lot, and you're ready to go on that trip. That's right. And I believe that God's people, the older that we get, the more that we anticipate glory, the more of God's precious people that are up there on the other side, the more we want to go up there and be with them, right? I mean, we want to go up there and we want to rejoice with them. And so the older I get, the more I think about the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, I'll close with this little question for you this morning. You know, Peter put it like this. um, And I'll just say, if Jesus were to return today, are you really where you want to be when He returns? Uh, You know, have you 
made your confession? Have you let the Lord's people know that you love Jesus Christ and that you are a part of His family? If He came back right now, would you have any apologies to make uh, to Him? Uh, Peter says, But the day of the Lord comes as the thief of the night. And he said, Seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hastening into the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall burn with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. What manner of people ought we to be, knowing that he is coming back? He's made that promise. We know he's coming. We don't know exactly when, but the way I look around today, I think the time is getting close. I think we see worldwide wickedness. It's not just in little pockets. It's everywhere now. And I don't see any end to it until Jesus Christ comes back and He burns this place up and carries His people home with Him in glory. Thank you for your attention this morning. I hope you've gotten a blessing out of this. What a wonderful sermon. We started today saying, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And if you're one of those people that hungers and thirsts for righteousness, and you live in the midst of a wicked world, has a tendency to get you down, hearing about how the whole story ends and the victorious return of the Lord Jesus Christ is something that fills the soul and encourages God's people. You made mention of planning on going on a trip and as the trip gets closer to you you maybe start becoming more looking forward to it and thinking well next week i'm going to be i'm finally going to be on that vacation now it's it's certainly true that perhaps more so when we're younger we don't think about the world to come or the eventuality of death and those sorts of things you tend to not want to think about that you want to live your life now and experience the good things that are here now and i think that's perfectly natural And you tend to not want to think about the world to come and some of those things. Maybe it's a little bit frightening. But if the vacation, using this metaphor a little further, if the vacation doesn't seem that good, maybe you haven't spent enough time looking at the brochure. Right? I mean, seriously. We all get discouraged about the world around us. But are we looking at the brochure? you got a travel brochure of hope right here that tells you this is coming. By the way, it's coming whether you like it or not. So it's going to be a wonderful vacation. If you've got a bad attitude about it, spend a little more time with the brochure and realize I'm going to be going on this trip, whether I like it or not. And by the way, it's going to be encouraging to you what you find then. You made mention of the fact of how glorious the second coming is going to be, and I was really trying to think about that. I mean, all Christian groups think about the second coming. Most of them talk about it in terms of you know, the dreadful things that are going to happen. Are you going to be in or out and all these sorts of things? You'd be very uh, anxious as a result of that. But I wanted to just say two things about that. The first thing is, the second coming is going to happen in your lifetime. Right. <laughs> you ever thought about that? Now, a lot of people say, well, I don't know if I'm going to be here when the Lord returns. You're going to be here when the Lord returns. Right. <laughs> okay. It's just a matter of which side of the fence you're going to be on. You're either coming back with Him, or you're going to be here alive and seeing that happen. But you're going to be alive when this happens. You will see the second coming. You're going to be a participant in it, and it's going to be a glorious thing. What I'm telling you is that you have eternal life. You are experiencing 
a little foretaste of glory divine right now, but you are going to live forever on the merits of Christ. And so we're all going to be here. We're all going to see this event. Now, that's a tremendously hopeful thing if you will enter into it. Now, as I look out across this assembly, I don't think there's a single person in here that I can look at and say, you don't have someone who is a dearly departed person in your life that has passed away. Many of them were members of this church. I can look out here and see places where people used to sit and they're not there anymore. Now look, if I told you all on a Sunday that one of those brothers and sisters in Christ, they're going to come to church on that Sunday. Right? Uncle Jake's going to be at church next Sunday. You all would be like, I'm going to church. That's going to be glorious to see this one person that I haven't seen that's dearly departed. All of God's saints are coming back. On that day, every single one of them, whoever it is in your heart that you say, I would love to see that person at church again, they're coming back and they're coming with the Lord and you're going to see them. You're either going to be with them or you're going to see them from this side. It is going to be a tremendously glorious thing. I mentioned those people who are departed in Christ because that kind of tugs at your heartstrings a little bit, but here's the real point I want to make. As glorious as that will be, to see them, it will pale in comparison to the Christ that they're coming with. That's right. That's the remarkable thing. When you think about how wonderful it would be to see one of those people, the seeing of Christ coming back with all His saints is going to be so much more glorious than that, it's hard for us to even wrap our minds about. Thank you for listening to SuccessfulSavior.org, the ministry of Harmony Primitive Baptist Church. This has been Elder Neil Phelan, Jr. preaching from one of our regular meetings. Come and join us as we worship God in the simplicity of Christ every Sunday morning at 416 North Hall Street in Donaldson, Arkansas. At Harmony, we don't have many things that are so common in the religion of our day, but we do have a successful Savior. We invite you to come and see.